0: Hello and welcome to Tell the Damn Story, the podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being creative so that you can more easily tell your own damn story. Hey, 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 hey. What's up, Alex Simmons? How are hey, you? We're well,
1: back again. We're back again. My goodness. Is
0: there no Alex stopping Simmons us? And Chris Ryan. Yeah.
1: Ain't no stopping us now. Okay,
0: anyway. Orlando's uh, de Amor. Yeah, that's course. Oh, that's easy that's for you right. to say. <laughs> okay. Outlaws of Love. That's who we are. <laughs> wow. Gee, thank you. That's a scary thought. Okay. Well, I'll go a long way. Around and, and get to the, you know, we're we're doing what we're doing out of love. That's true. That's and, true. And true that. True when that. It, when love doesn't make sense, then you're an outlaw. Writing love. does. <laughs> you just you just gotta. You know, well, I think writing is our, if not our first love, it's a very close second. Oh yeah, that's and, our mistress and, uh, and our first love. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, bro. Yeah. So wow. we're gonna talk about the insanity yeah. of that. Yeah, well uh, what well, we're
1: actually we're gonna we're gonna talk about the insanity of pursuing all of that within the world of publishing. Yeah. Uh we had an episode that we did where we focused on one independent publishing experience, which my, my good buddy and partner and co-host here uh, had and is still uh, working with maneuvering through, conquering, uh, challenging Learning. and all of that, which is yeah, soul screen. Yeah. And I, you know, it's sort of a Uh, coming soon to a theater near you. No, uh, it is coming soon, though, very soon. And the other end of it was that, you know, we as professional writers and as teachers and as a number of other things that we've been all legal uh, have had quite a few experiences within the publishing realm. And so we thought, you know, this would be a sort of a natural, organic next episode segue. So here we go. Um, So... Let's start with, if you don't mind, let's, yes, sir. let's, let's start with, uh, with one of my experiences here. Um, as a teenager, I was fortunate enough to make friends with some people who were in the comic book industry. And uh, you know, you start by going to conventions, and things like that. And then eventually you, you get to know some artists, writers, and people like that. And in one case, one of the writers was Don McGregor, and he went to work for Marvel Comics at one point. And so in going up to visit him from time to time, I would get to meet some of the other people. And I met Johnny Ramita and Marie Severins and Stan Lee, of course, and Jim solacrop who went on to publish, uh, be a publisher in an, another uh, entity. And it was all of these, all this input, this being around all this creativity. You know, in that case, comics, but also magazines and books. But all of that what was soaking that up as a teenager. Just made me as a creative, and I was. Pursuing acting, then, but eventually yeah. I started writing as well. It, it just made me want to be a part of a world of people that spent their days creating some form of entertaining art, yeah. uh, good stories, you know, visually illustrated or or beautifully and literarily rendered uh, with words, yeah. and you start picking up little bits of how to and the pros and cons. And so, you know, being in the, sometimes in the bullpen at Marvel, and then eventually a few years later, making friends with some people at DC and being able to stop yeah. by there, you start to pick up techniques and methodologies. And, you know, again, the clashings and the the collaborations. And it was a learning experience, almost, you know, akin to being a kid, you know, in, in front of the cookie or the pastry store, or the candy store with your face against right, the window, sure. you know. In my case, I got to go inside. I didn't get to touch stuff, but I got to go (laughs) inside and smell the aromas and watch the processes and watch the chefs do their thing. And a lot of that led me to uh, pursue, again, the writing, but also led me to begin to understand the mechanisms of publishing and promotion and distribution. And I don't know why that didn't scare the heck out of me. <laughs> Make me want to go in the opposite <laughs> direction, but it didn't. And so one of my first, you know, I, I got to do some freelance writing for, for I, I believe it was called Cadence Publications. Which was the original entity that owned Marvel. Um, I got to do some magazine articles for them on uh, uh, bands and music and stuff like that. And to see your words printed,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, on these pages with other people's work and words, you know, but to see that, to be able to go to a newsstand and purchase that was an exciting, exhilarating, and somewhat addictive experience. And again, you would think, okay, let me just stick with the creative end of this and just do the writing and just watch my stuff get printed and put out there. But eventually, you know, the habit grows like into the monster that it can be. And you find yourself trying to produce some of this material, too. So part of what we're going to talk about is how we, you know, not in great detail, but how we began to go from that writer, uh, artist struggling to be published into the realm of publishing and some of the things that publishing Um, introduces you to some of the trials and tribulations as well as some of the satisfactions so chris how did you get pulled in this yours was a different i'm gonna tell
0: a story that i never told before
1: oh my goodness Ooh, okay and it's gonna start your tape
0: recorders folks it's gonna go all the way back to one of my first crushes ever Ooh!
1: ooh, not only me romance
0: in this story well no just crush and you're gonna find out in a minute why Okay. Uh, It was not only me, it was many of the boys in my 8th grade class. 8th grade science with Miss Sweeney. Mm. And Miss Sweeney was, of course, older than us. She was a teacher, but she was Mm -hmm. also gorgeous. And we could derail her by just saying two words. Star Trek. And... (laughs) And she would talk all, all about that stuff and then tie it into science. But we were doing something about uh, decomposition and uh, maggots and all that sort of stuff. And um, I was a big comic book head already. And um, I drew a comic strip. It was on one eight and a half by 11 page. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I think, three rows. So they were pretty small. And I drew them pencil and then You know, colored pencil, I colored it in and all that stuff, right? Okay. Uh, Because when I was first doing it, Miss Sweeney, and you know, you get into drawing and all that sort of stuff, and Miss Sweeney came around and saw it and said, Oh my God, this is fantastic finishes for me. And it was Miss Sweeney. If you looked up, you could see how gorgeous she was as a, you know, entering puberty. (laughs) There's Miss Sweeney. (laughs) (laughs) And she wanted to see more of something. She paid some attention to me. So I finished the whole strip and I did it with pencils and stuff. And I gave it to her and I figured it would be on her bulletin board or on her desk somewhere. And that would be the end of my deep romantic interlude with with Miss Sweeney. She put it in clear plastic and put it in a display case outside of her classroom. Oh god. that was my first publishing experience, independent <laughs> publishing, clearly, <laughs> right? And I experienced every level of publishing. Some people, including some of the girls, was like, wow, that's really good. And others, including some of the girls, was like, maggot, that's disgusting. And some <laughs> of the boys were like, hey, pretty cool, man. And others were like, you nerd. Yeah, oh,
1: god. <laughs> Just
0: like you do this, like, like you get yep. in, in publishing. So earliest roots go there, and then I delivered newspapers and became a big Breslin fan. And Jimmy Breslin, folks, Jimmy Breslin from the Daily News. I read. I scared the crap out of myself reading his Son of Sam columns while I was delivering the newspapers and making myself absolutely sure Son of Sam was in the staircase and that I would be dead. You know okay, so, one
1: more, uh, quick side, folks. Son of Sam was one of the first early celebrity serial killers.
0: Yes, I love that he has uh, that Alex has to footnote all my babbling. So, <laughs> but all of that led to being in the school newspaper or you know, working for the school newspaper. I also worked for the school literary magazine and then college paper and pursuing journalism. So, it all starts with um, Miss Sweeney. With <laughs> you know isn't it all it's so sad that we're so crow-magnon. It's like oh god got approval <laughs> so eventually oh, yeah. that got to a short but you know almost 10 year um journalism career um and then always saying yes to things whether mm. it's joining a uh kids uh, uh a youth uh theater group that a new friend was doing Mm. or um you know south soul comedy troupe or uh independent film with phoenix films i always said yes to see what the experiences were like and most of that has been independent as opposed to traditional
1: you know it's funny it's late in
0: life i'm testing the waters of traditional mm. way after most people do
1: yeah i was gonna say that it's funny that um that, that willingness to boldly go, to quote Star Trek, uh, t- that exploratory nature, that sort of leap out into space or take that leap of faith, uh, good title for a, st- for a story a friend of mine wrote, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's that thing that says, yeah, it's scary or it's unknown and I could land on my face or look like a complete butthole and here I go, <laughs> you yeah. know. And, and for, for people who are in the acting world, uh, a phrase that was very popular back in my day of pursuing acting was, you know, you always say yes and then go learn how to do it You right. know, when you're auditioning for things, right? Oh, yeah, sure. I can roller skate backwards at 20 miles an hour and then run yeah. and put on skates for the first time in your life. Yeah, but, but I would
0: also I would, I would add that all my yeses seem like less of a risk than my father was taking every day. My father, growing up, my father was a, a police officer down in Fort Apache in the South Bronx. Which is a, an area
1: of the Bronx, which was, uh, let's say, under siege. There was well, poverty. It, that's and why I got the
0: nickname. Yeah, was yeah, they right. would, the, yeah. the precinct would be regularly attacked. And it had the highest murder rate. And the South Bronx was burning down at the time. So we very realistically... Well, you know, we were very aware that he was taking his life into his own hands every day he went to work, so we could have grocery money. So, from that perspective, writing a a story for the school newspaper or or trying out stand up or writing a sketch cut that didn't seem as risky as what my father did.
1: You know, mm-hmm. well so, let let us let us again. Since we're talking about publishing, though, let let us move in that direction, because we are the ones, your father, you know, took on the cases he did, and here comes ours. Um, (laughs) I I remember in particular that, uh, again, my writing from my teen years into my adult years, my early adult years, was very, very, you know, sketchy and very, very freelance. I was predominantly an actor. The way I saw it, I was predominantly an Mm -hmm. actor who occasionally would write stuff. And I did that for quite a while until I wrote a particular piece, a a play that I was working on, and I was on like the fourth or fifth reading of it, where you have a bunch of actors sit with the script in hand and read the various parts. And I suddenly realized that if I really wanted this play to be the best it could possibly be, I had to stop thinking of myself as this actor who was writing something so he could perform it and really embrace the reality and responsibility of being the writer. So when I started that, when I when I really sort of accepted that mantle right then and there, that I will then see myself as the writer, um, I started to also attract more writing work, and there was also a part time gig that I got, uh, an income generating gig, working for what's called a book packager. So I want you people who may or may not have encountered this before, a book packager in the publishing industry is similar to. Production house or producer in the film or TV industry, you produce books as a packager, you produce the content for books Mm. for larger publishing houses. So, in producing that content, um, and this was a company at the time called Mega Books, we were actually hiring writers to write um, uh, children's middle school, middle grade books and teens. So, they were YA books for. Uh, Simon & Schuster, for um, Troll Publications, and for several other publishing houses. So we would create the stories, get the writers to do the writing. If there was illustrations involved, hire the illustrators, Mm -hmm. and then package that all together in terms of having the, the various parts finished, the manuscript for the books, the art for the books, and send it on to the publisher who would do their thing with their editors, and then eventually published the, the books and put them on the on the stands the distribution and distribution, everything fell in after that. So I was, you know, I started out as a grunt uh, at this yeah. organization, but I was privy to a lot of the editorial uh, meetings. And as you were saying a little while ago about, you know, saying yes, sometimes or speaking, you know, speaking your mind at certain times, uh, what happened was that I, again, being privy to these meetings because they were taking place within my earshot. Uh, At one point I'm talking to one of my bosses and they brought up one of the problems they were having. And I said, well, you know, have you thought about looking at it this way rather than that way? And I'm just throwing out something because I thought about it. Well, they liked the idea and they asked me to expand on it, which I did. And it worked for them. And then so slowly I began to contribute more ideas. They began to give me more responsibilities. And before I knew it, Uh, inside of a year, I was uh, sort of an assistant editor on several of their books. I was also the artistic director for photo shoots for the reference material the artist needed for certain of the books. And, you know, this sort of continued to develop until I was eventually writing occasional books or plotting for other writers, because I'm a big mystery fan. And some of their writers. Were professional writers, obviously, but they would only they'd never written mysteries, so right. they weren't quite sure of the structure of how to set up a mystery story as opposed to just writing a nice little slice of life tale. So I began to help them with that. But once again, by it, you know okay. just sort of taking that leap of faith and saying, "Well, here I have an idea. What do you think?" Right. It eventually led me into this situation where, for about four years, four or five years, I think. I was in the thick of it, helping these um, as a part of this team that was putting together a series of books for major
0: publishers, and learning from that. So one your, of the your things connections that- for that eventually led to my first novel, which <laughs> was not not written by me. Yeah, right. Hint, hint. It's it called was, ghostwriting, ghost. folks. That's yeah. right. I ghostwrote yeah. my. That was that was my first novel experience. Yeah. Thank you, Alex Simmons.
1: You're you're quite welcome, Christopher Ryan. But again, thanks you know, Fro- Frank. part of thanks, it,
0: Joe. Part of it is
1: is again learning all you can, whether you're in a school situation studying right. it in that structure, or you take a leap into the deep end of the pool and you yeah. dog paddle yeah
0: Yeah. and and i think you know as much as we're being kind of light with the yes i think that's a key that's a key thing saying yes to things and giving them a try and learning what you can and willing being willing to take it ass kicking (laughs) you know well i i i will quickly recount knowing of your character blackjack and being desirous of writing a blackjack story for about 10 years before you gave me a try, right? And it was, this is another, God. this is how helpful Alex has been in my life. Uh, This was for Badass Mofo Magazine. And Mm. ladies and gentlemen, yeah, that's on my resume. Um, (laughs) But it was a comic strip. I think it was 10 episode comic strips, like two or three panels each. And um I came up with a story, pitched the story, got Alex's okay. Uh fleshed it out, wrote the action and the um, dialogue in um the format that was uh needed. Uh got the okie doke from Alex. Um oh my god, I forgot the uh the artist's name. Oh um, um oh, out in uh, Ohio. Yeah, yeah, I can see it too. Yeah. Oh
1: well it'll come, to, it'll us come as, to us. It'll come to us. Yeah, right.
0: About. But Eddie Newell. Eddie Newell. Yeah. God yes. bless Eddie Newell. Um, and then out it went. And uh, when Badass Mofo Magazine came out, you know, I got myself some copies. And every line of dialogue had been rewritten <laughs> by Alex Simmons. <laughs> and the reason is, I as close as I got to it, because my stuff was approximate and he had written it to be. The actual voice. And that's I mean, you learn a lesson. It was an ass kicking into your pride, but you learn, wait a second, approximate is just that. Hmm. You got to go all the way and get the assignment done. And being going back and reading and rereading uh the character Blackjack and seeing what I was doing versus what what existed from the character, you learned. I learned such a valuable lesson about voice and voice consistency and uh, eventually I was able to write some novellas and short stories about the one and only Aaron Day Blackjack and uh, the dialogue wasn't changed. So uh <laughs> that's damn right know, it was not. Right? You have to you have to go in and you know swing for the fences and then listen and learn whatever you can whatever you know whatever that is you know, and, um, that goes for proofreading that goes for publishing. Um, I did a teaser of soul scream for a Christmas. This is out mm-hmm. on the market now. Mm-hmm. And even though it went out, I still got feedback for it of what wasn't consistent with a professional anthology or magazine. And, um, now I look at Ellen Datlow's uh, books, you know, the best horror stories of the year. Ellen Datlow is and ridiculous, she's got a room full of awards for all that she's done since she was an, an editor in Omni in the eighties and on it goes. But I now know to look and say, all right, are the titles uh, capitalized? Are the author's names included? Are they capitalized? That's, the kind of granular detail you have to learn to pay attention to uh, when you're going to be publishing, you know, and, or when you're going to be trying to be part of the professional community. And, and that's, a, that's a key I'm thing there. Contributing. That's yeah.
1: a key thing there. I want to uh, just jump on that for a moment, because uh, there's been several moments in my earlier uh, career in terms of writing and publishing uh, both uh, mainstream and independent, but in particular uh, independent, where there a group of us would get together, a group of writers would get together to want to do an anthology uh, and we're going to you know, independently publish it. And we would submit our stories. Pardon me, I'm going to sneeze.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: pardon me. Oh, Alex,
0: God. Oh. <laughs> Oh my god, Alex, that's terrible. Yeah, it was. Yeah, let me just use
1: my shirt sleeve here. Okay, (laughs) oh, that's right, I'm wearing short sleeves. Darn it. Okay, okay. So, as I was saying, a group of us wanted to do this anthology, and uh, people had to submit their work, and it was a comic book, graphic novel kind of anthology, so it's both uh, copy, text, and Mm -hmm. art. Mm -hmm. And slowly it became you know, Mm -hmm. became clear that some people's uh, idea of what was professional quality art or professional quality writing or professional quality lettering or graphic design was very different from others. And when we held it against the professional uh, comparison, Mm -hmm. we had to say, well, look, we're trying to put this book together and get it out on the marketplace and sell it in the same arena as the DCs and the Marvels and the, and mm-hmm. the you know, yeah. anybody else, the image comics, you know, anybody else who was doing pro stuff. So our material had to look pro. It doesn't matter if the art style is a little, you know, more modern or abstract or or edgy or urban, but it had to look professional. Spelling had to be covered in there. Right. You know, you couldn't have the speech balloons crushing the words and things like that. It It, right. it just wasn't going to work. So when we started to ask certain artists or writers to make certain adjustments or corrections, then attitudes began to flare up. And suddenly, you know, people were angry and calling each other names and saying, who made you God and all that kind of nonsense. And it was not about personal. It was about professional. And so that's one of those moments in time as, as, you know, as I like to phrase it, things got coyote ugly. Right. And the project, one particular project in, in uh, specifically, never happened because of the, the infighting. And so one artist from the group took his stuff, found a few other people, pulled their stuff underneath his particular umbrella, put out this anthology, all within about a month or so, Whereas the other project had been in this war for like right. three or four months and and was still at it, and so he says, "Oh, this is how it's done." Bam, Bam. and there it was. Right. Yeah. So one of the things that you know you have to look at people is when you're deciding, okay, I'm going to go with a professional publisher, I'm going to go independent, you know, whatever it is, or if I'm going to go professional with an independent publisher, whatever it is, you've got to bring your A game. You've got to understand you're stepping into the professional arena, not amateur, you know, not, 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 not hobby, but the professional arena. And there's a different criteria. And if you don't want to measure up to that, then stay in the other lane. That's the best way to do it. Don't make it personal. Just understand, okay, this is what I'm willing to do. This is what I feel good doing. Uh, this is how I like to do my thing. So I'm going to do it over here because okay. when I go into this other arena, it's going to require me to do certain other things that I'm not comfortable with and and keep it from being a personal thing. But otherwise, know that you're going to be measured on a completely different level when you're going pro and that's the way it should be.
0: Yep. And there's a, there's a beauty to bringing your work up to that level. And mm-hmm. let me make sure that people don't think I went you know all crazy vein uh i'm not sure if i made it to that level yet you know um but i know i you know just keep swimming just keep swimming i know that i've been very careful with every single step that i could possibly be careful with and uh compare it with okay what is what's out there and what is the what is the standard for table of contents what uh must be included in the indicia where all the legal stuff is um what comes first the introduction the preface the commentary the thanks you know all those things you see them when you're just reading but you have to know them when you want to make that transition from uh, a writer submitting to a publisher trying to put out a work
1: well we talk and, about uh, it we talk about it when we're talking about writing too there's there's writing you know sort of flatline stereotypical puppet-like characters and then there's doing that deep work to right. create characters that resonate as authentic mm-hmm. so that what they say do uh, or feel brings the audience in pulls them in creates that world in a more tangible way so that we want to we want to go on that ride with them right. and we are connected and we feel things that you know because the words are pulling us in yeah. that's that deeper work that's necessary And if you're not willing to do that, not that you can't, if you're not willing to do that, then again, understand that, stay in the arena that you're most comfortable with, no harm, no foul. But if you're willing to do that kind of work, and you're struggling, do the struggle. Because as you keep overcoming those little, those bumps, those speed bumps, if you keep climbing over that barbed wire and whatever other metaphor you want to use, once you get to the other side, you have conquered some very worthwhile yeah. uh, hiccups and hangups, and you are stronger for the experience.
0: And and everything you read, every YouTube video you see on the subject, um, any masterclass that you can take, any uh, article you can read, uh, discussion you can have, a lecture you can attend, helps feed the, the what you can draw from to get your contribution into that creative community. And ultimately, isn't that what we're trying to do? Yeah. We're trying to say, okay, here's my contribution, and you want to make it the best you can.
1: I was going to also say, because you were being uh, very transparent a moment ago, one of the things that I was going to say is that the... Uh, to be fully transparent, some of the the, the things that I've published uh, um, have you know you, you do all the work you can, and you try and catch the the hiccups and the the, the 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 misspellings or anything like that. But again, some of them have gotten through. So two things that are a factor towards the quality: um, a don't be the only editor. You 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 got to have somebody else beta readers, but also editors, yep. people who are who are better at catching things like that than you are. Two reasons: one, it's it's just part of the process. Another set of eyes are necessary and beneficial. But two, as the writers, we also sometimes read what we think is there. We wow. hear it in our heads, so we think we see it on the page, and and that doesn't serve anybody. Then the other end of that is. Even though as independents, oh, always okay. Well, I, you know, I'm going to write this, and I'm going to, you know, p- uh, put all the mechanics together, and I'm going to, you know, uh, uh, submit this to, you know, Amazon KDP, uh, and I got to do all the paperwork on that, and then I've got to do all the crunching numbers. And, but let's let's face it, you're not good at all that. That's that's just a reality. We're not 100 percent great at every one of those steps. So, a recognize where your weaknesses are, and try and compensate for that. Either if you can afford to hire somebody to do certain things, right. people who are good at that thing so that you don't have to fumble through it and it'll work better for the project. But the other end of it is also to um, to create a much more tangible project that's going to have a chance to sell in the marketplace. The better the quality, the better the material, the more likely you're going to find customers for it. Right. You know, if you're just doing it as a vanity press thing, well, then you buy a few copies and you, you've hit your mark.
0: Right. But if you don't want to be that, then you can't be that at any step of the process.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah. You have to. And if you can bring other people into it, I agree with you 100%. But, you know, you might have to Robert Rodriguez it. And, you know, yeah. he and was where, first what starting you got. out. Yeah. What do you have? and wh- who can you go to and exactly. that might require calling in some favors or you know and, and soul scream has been a process of creative decision making speaking what of can that I afford to do how can i make this something people will want to have and read
1: right speaking of that quickly also as a publisher you have to be able to think outside the box
0: yeah, this is and, completely out of the box. Right. I don't and even to, know if I know where the box is anymore.
1: Yeah, right. And to juggle the plates, because here's yeah. here's the other end of it. There are steps to publishing. There is, yes, getting the material written or illustrated. There is uh, the editorial aspects of it. There's the graphic design aspects of it. There is the printing aspect or the uploading and whatever you're doing with it on the web. There's the uh, promotional aspects of it. You know, and if you're actually putting out books is the distribution aspect of that. And then again, more numbers crunching. So there's a number of moving parts to this. And as the publisher, as the big, you know, kahuna, you have to be able to look out over this landscape and to some degree with some sort of effective system, keep track of what's happening. If you don't have a team to help you do that then you've got to set up some sort of automatic you know, digital system or paper system that allows you to keep track of, oh, yeah, i got to make sure I follow up on this or follow up on mm-hmm. that. And problem solve. Not, not run into a problem and freeze, but run into a problem, check it out, and then figure out some way to solve it because that's also a part
0: of your job. I have um, to-do lists, checklists, and uh, four-color pens. Yep. And if they're done, they get a green check. And if they're not done, they get circled in red. Yep. And, <laughs> and you just got to keep going. I just went through another list and found there's one writer. Uh, there's two writers. One writer has everything done, and I haven't sent out a payment to her yet. That's got to be done immediately. Mm-hmm. I paid everybody as soon as possible. And the other one, I'm requesting some rewrites. I have to put that in writing and get it to her so that that can get be done. That's for the third issue. And right. that she can get paid. I right. don't want to be that guy who doesn't pay. Here's the other know? person
1: you don't want to be is that guy who understands expletives or four letter words. Every time something goes a little to the left or to the right of target, Uh yeah. cursing people out is not solving a problem is not negotiating yeah. is not dialoguing. It is it is definitely you having a hissy fit. And that may work for some people. Very few. Very, very, very few. Especially if, that, especially ahead. if you're trying to get uh the best out of people who are in effect working for less than the standard or doing <laughs> you a favor. Right. You know? Yeah, you started I, to say I, something, Chris. I've
0: I found that uh the most helpful approach to me on this project was knowing in my head what i wanted the finished project to be right and then anything that comes up any wall i slam into is that piece of the jigsaw puzzle that's just blue sky Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right so just figure out where it fits or how to solve this situation and approach it as a creative exercise as opposed to You know, there was a time in my life when everything felt like a personal attack. Mm. You know, I was young and stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But you learn, you know, you learn and you improve and you move on from that. Um, And now everything is um, an exercise in creativity. How do I speak to this particular person so that I get what the project needs? How do I make sure I didn't miss anyone's name for the cover? How do I... You know, make sure that the stories are in the same order as the table contents. You know, whatever the little thing is, you know, the crossing of the T's and the dotting of the I's, that's part of the art. That's part of the creativity.
1: That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Um, I was going to just, and we have to wind it up in a moment here, but I was going to say that when you were talking about how you keep track of things and you have the color pens and paper and all that, And I was just thinking, you know, there's there's the hard copy way of doing this, and Mm -hmm. then there's the digital way with like Asana or Evernote or things like that. And so one of the things that you also have to do, not only as a writer and an entrepreneur, but as a publisher, is figure out what tools you work with the yeah, best.
0: That's true.
1: You know, actually because I mean there's some people where I'm sorry, um mind map like as Mind Meister, you know, yeah. doing doing digital mind maps and things like that 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 just drives them absolutely crazy. Me, I right. find it fun, you know, right. and I I, right. can work with Asana, I can work with a son and I can work with some but also I have pen and paper here. I have color pens and markers and things right. like that because that goes back to my art days. Yes. And sometimes it's easier to map things out on a sheet of paper with some pens, mm-hmm. and then transfer that to whatever digital software um, a task manager or project manager you wanna use. But sometimes if you don't wanna use a computer, don't. Keep yeah. it Keep it tangible and tactile and, and just splatter all over the pages. And just so long as you get organized and you get the work done, and as you were saying a moment ago, um, you know, I think the phrase goes, "Solve the problem." No, no fix the problem, not the blame. Right. It, right. It's really, right. it's really about how can I be effective? How can we be effective, and fix the problem, yeah. so that this can move forward.
0: And and one right. of my goals is to uh, get this to be successful enough that I can hire some, you know, young person who's looking to break into the business. And that person can laugh at my crow magnon ways, you know, <laughs> and say, you know, I have an app for that. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, All yeah. Right, yeah. you have that job now. That's yeah, it's your yeah, yeah yeah. I hope yeah. your and app do it is apt. and yeah. and do it better than I'm doing it. That's great, but yeah, that, that's uh, the other thing too, ego.
1: If someone can do that particular job you've asked them to do better than you,
0: that's fantastic. a win. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, that's that's, uh, that's not a dig to your ego. That's oh, great!
1: Yeah. I found that person.
0: Hey. So, as as this project went on i kept going older and older yellow legal pads <laughs> clipboards <laughs> the four color pen <laughs> but this... you know it's if this is what works And you know, when I write longer pieces, when I write novels and stuff, it's always the index cards. Other people have all these things on screens that they do. Final final Draft has all that stuff in software, yeah. And that's beautiful. And if that's what works in your brain, cool. I want to be able to wander the house with them in my hand and Mm -hmm. shuffle them. And and that's what works for me. And as old-fashioned as it might be, (laughs) well, I have to do my work. So if that gets me done, and then, then fine. And if you are doing it all on screen and that works for you, fantastic. That's find right. what gets you to yes and find what gets you to professionally published, whether it's independent and you put it out yourself and everyone else who looks at it says, yeah, it's a professional job. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. That looks great. Or, you know, you, you submit it and get the contract and all that stuff. That's the goal, is to, whatever's in your heart and soul, you're getting out to another person who might say, oh, God, that really made my day,
1: Right. you know? One one more thing, because we only got a couple of minutes left, so one more thing yes, I want to just t- pull together. Years ago, when I was at a convention in San Diego and a group of young men came up to show me their comics and their artwork and talk about the studio they created and how they've been friends for years, it was a young lady standing with them. And at one point, you know, they'd introduced the guys and never introduced her. <clears throat> oh. So I said, excuse me, guys. And I said hello to her. And she said, oh, I'm not in comics. I said, no, that's fine. I just can't you know, ignore you. You're here. So I just wanted to say hello. So then the guy tells me, oh, don't worry about it. She's, she's just my woman. Oh. And I went, oh, God. OK, he he did say that. But, hey, I'm just going to continue the conversation here and just try and forget that. So then I find out that she was uh, uh, six months to a year away from graduating from, and i can't remember the name of the university but a prestigious california business university <laughs> so i said oh so is she helping you guys with business you know running your business in the studio and they said oh no no man i told you she's just my woman and i went oh god not only did he say it twice but and then i said Dale, i'm sorry you realize when she graduates there are going to be companies and businesses that are going to be offering her money for her expertise right i said do you trust her he said, "Yeah, I trust her. But, you know, she wouldn't step out." and said, "No, no, I don't mean that way. Do you trust her? Yeah, I trust her. So why wouldn't you trust her to give you some business advice just because she's your girlfriend?" And she goes, "Mm-hmm." And I went, "Okay, <laughs> okay. I see where this conversation had had happened before, and they're all standing, there going like, uh, like deer in the headlight. So, yeah, you can make your friends your business associates, right? But only if they're there to take care of business. Right. If you guys are great playing together, hanging out together, having drinks together, if you're dating somebody and you have a great relationship on a personal level, and that's wonderful, that's wonderful. If when you start to try and do business with them, they're dragging like like the anchor at the bottom of the ocean, keeping the ship from moving, then you need to go, hey, you know what? I'll catch you later. I got to take care of business. And that needs to be another factor, especially if you're going to be independently publishing work. You need to have people that are going to do the work. You know, they need to bring their A game just like you do.
0: So let that's just one other a, thing I wanted to say. Yeah. Let me ask you a follow-up question about that group. Sure. Did you ever see them again? I didn't see no did they ever make a splash in the business at all? No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Let me let me just quote hmm
1: <laughs> i would i would i would like to think and i have on occasion when i when i mentioned this situation i would like to think that the young lady went on to do quite well yes and i'm figuring the brothers may have you know found their their niches and and done well in independently things but no but, i never saw any any studio work any artwork any comic books graphic novels anything that they produce and and, and what and that is unfortunate yeah,
0: but I'm point. Uh, what I'm pointing out, I think, is that you can find out a lot of, about people and whether you should be working at by them by paying attention to the little things they do. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a, an executive at Ford took two potential hirees to lunch, and they never talked anything about motors or automobiles or anything. He just went. And he offered one at the end of lunch, the job and not the other one guys, you know, he waited after him said, can you ask, can you tell me why you didn't, he says, well, the one I hired was very pleasant to the, all the wait staff and myself. And he was interested in what you said and interested in what I said. And was very accommodating to whenever the food came out and whatever. He knows how to work from pe- with people. And he knows how to get the most out of people. Because a simple smile and a simple thank you got a great response from the wait staff. You ignored everybody except me. And you never listened to anything I was saying. You were just selling yourself. Right? People pay attention to your behavior
1: absolutely you know? absolutely okay this has been our our sort of an, i guess talk. sort of a peek behind yeah peek behind the curtains uh, again uh but this time in talking about what it's like publishing. to be in the publishing in our know, world from the beginning aspects into the independent into working with uh groups like Simon and Schuster and penguin random house and all of that. that's those. you yeah well yeah either way um hopefully hopefully you'll find some of this you know information that you can take to heart and that'll be helpful to you as you move forward and yes let us know to help you yes yeah all that we do is to help you continue to tell your own damn Damn story story well said sir well said. thank you sir thank you thank you okay everybody Chris, always good take care everybody always a pleasure sir peace (laughs)